From deep in the heart of the swamp, this is Gator Tales, the official podcast of the Florida Gators. Gator Tales is brought to you by UF Health, the official healthcare provider of the Florida Gators. Welcome to Gator Tales. I'm your host, Adam Schick. A new era for Florida basketball began this week as Scott Strickland quickly narrowed in on upstart University of San Francisco coach Todd Golden to take over the men's program and bring it back to prominence. On today's show, we'll welcome FloridaGators.com senior writers Chris Harry and Scott Carter to do a deep dive on the new hire, sort through some significant stories from week one of spring football practice, discuss the latest heights for gymnastics, And in recognition of the Oscars, we'll explore our favorite underrated movies in the PAT. Then, we'll check in with one of basketball's recent Gator greats and a fan favorite in Will You Get. But first, it's time for the Gator Roundtable presented by Pet Paradise. Are you the kind of fan who loves your team as much as your pet? Bring your pets to play where animal lovers and sports fans collide. Pet Paradise, the official pet care provider of the Florida Gators. It is roundtable time, and we are welcoming in Gators Scott, Gators Chris, uh, to chomp on what has been going on in the last week. And there's been a lot. Uh, Even this time of year, you think maybe it'll be slower. Nope, there's always stuff going on, including, and I think a good place to start would be the hiring of a new men's basketball coach. And Chris, this happened relatively quickly. And I think we've seen that with a lot of the coaches who've taken SEC posts that came from mid-majors that were in the tournament. Uh, Once a a big school has got their eye on you and you bow out of the dance, these deals get done relatively fast. Yeah, and... You know, we've talked many times on here. I've, I've covered the NFL for 10 years, and there, there's never one candidate. There's always multiple candidates in a, and, 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 and athletic directors or general managers or team presidents or whatever uh, are always thinking ahead. And, and you have to do that in this day and age because um, things do happen so quickly. And, I mean, let's, let's give example of just this podcast. A week ago, we were talking about the, vacant, the vacancy. Now they've already they interviewed candidates. They landed on a candidate. That candidate played an NCAA tournament game. That candidate has been here. That candidate was introduced Wednesday as the 19th coach in Florida basketball history. So much has changed in in, in the last week to yeah. be certain. Um, you know, I got a chance to meet him uh, the second day he was on campus. He's been pulled in all kind of different directions. Of course, we're talking about Todd Golden by way of San Francisco. Um, he was somebody that uh, Scott Strickland and the search committee of, of Linda Teeler, Chip Howard, and Duke Warner uh, uh, locked on um, fairly quickly, um, with uh, along with some other people, just because you start going through the Ken Palm metrics, which is uh, a thing these days, a big thing. Uh, San Francisco, and the way um, uh, Scott Strickland put it to me, you know, kept showing up in places that he, he, he called it punching above their weight. And it, to me, it was very similar to how he came across Billy Napier. And um, Scott can speak to this, I'm sure, because if you remember when Scott Strickland was on the, the football, excuse me, the football playoff committee, mm-hmm. and his charge of that was to investigate and to keep track of the group of five people, someone who may punch their way in. And that's how he kind of, because Louisiana kept showing up. Uh, in these in, in in these in these rankings and what have so uh, uh, here was San Francisco kind of showing up and you made a few calls and what have you and people heard about this up and comer this uh, fast riser who was very analytically driven and the game has gone that way nowadays both in the NBA and college game and it's a little different but let's be honest I mean when you're dealing in a league with Kentucky and you're dealing in a league with Auburn and you're dealing with a league and LSU and some of these other players, you're going to have to be different because uh, they're out, they're, they're out recruiting right now. They're out recruiting Florida right now and have been for a few years. So you got to be a little bit different. You got to be on cutting edge. This guy's is, is a, is a forward thinker, numbers driven, young and energetic, doesn't have a whole lot of ties to the, to the state of Florida. So some stuff is going to have to, uh, he's, he's going to have to get some help there. But he's also very confident in his own abilities to uh, cultivate relationships 
he's going to get on the road. He, I mean, one of the first things he did when he flew in was he went right to see the, uh, the three players who had signed. Uh, the, the gem of the recruiting class, uh, Malik Raynow, was a, a, a five-star power forward, uh, announced he's not going to stay. He's, he's, he's reopened up his commitment. Um, that's a blow, what have you. But uh, uh, this guy kind of took the news in stride. Uh, it's not to, he, he went down and talked to him. I mean, he, he hasn't eliminated him in any stretch to imagine, but he focused on other things. And now the Gators have to um, – Todd Golden's going to have to build a staff. I don't think he's going to have any leftovers. He's going to bring one guy from, from the West Coast. What his position is going to be, I don't know. But uh, this is an outside-the-box, uh, different kind of hire. And, you know, he was a, a name on a list until he got in front of uh, the, the search committee, both on Zoom calls and in person, and they said, this is the guy we want to lead our basketball program. I think it's also important to acknowledge, you know, we spend a lot of time in this Twitterverse and this content-driven space where as soon as a coach leaves or gets fired, you see the here are eight candidates that could replace this guy. And they're always huge names from other programs, and they're never realistic. And I think all you need to do to understand how this business works today is look at all of the other SEC programs that have filled openings, save for one glaring exception, which is Georgia. They all went to an up-and-comer from a mid-major. That's just... Everybody with TV, everybody has money now. So it's no longer you just throw money at a guy because the school he's at can't pay him. Every Power 5 school has money. So it's increasingly difficult to pull someone who's currently at a Power 5 school. And if you want a Power 5 name, it's generally a guy who's got issues. He's got NCAA problems. So, you know, I think for people that say, oh, this is a kind of a out of nowhere hire, most hires these days in football and basketball have to be by the nature of the business. Well, first, let's let's just talk about this. What were the two best job openings in the country this year? I think people, if you polled them, probably, or let's say top three, Florida would probably be in that. Maryland, Maryland would probably be very high. And Louisville, right. Yeah. Who did they hire? Mid-major Did they hire guys. Scott Drew? No. Did they hire Tony Bennett? Right. No, uh, 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 Maryland hired uh, Kevin Willard by way of Seton Hall. Not a mid-major, but, I mean, his resume looks a lot like Mike White's, Adam. Mm-hmm. Okay? I mean, he hasn't made any deep tournament runs. Uh, Louisville, I think they made a really good hire. They got a former Kentucky uh, uh, John Calipari assistant coach who was an assistant coach with the Knicks. He played for Louisville when they won national championship in 1986. Guy coming home, I think that's a good hire. A little outside the box also. But in terms of... Did Scott Drew, uh, that's the guy Gators, so they want Scott Drew. Okay, well, well, you know how much money Scott Drew makes? You know how much money Tony Bennett makes? These guys are winning big at places they are now, okay? So what what kind of money does it take to, to A, draw them away, B, get them out of their contracts, and C, why the hell would they want to leave? These coaches look at things such as Florida had a guy, he's winning like 20 games a year, they're going to tournament almost every year, what? Why, why is he leaving? Mm-hmm. Those are questions that are going around in the coaching profession right now. So, yeah, you look at uh, – so what were the teams? LSU um, got the Murray State guy. South Carolina got Chattanooga Nate. Mississippi State got New Mexico. Mm-hmm. That's right. And uh, uh, where did we got one more? We got one more. Uh, Missouri Missouri got uh, uh, Dennis Gates from, from Cleveland State. Um, these are, those are all – names that were jumping on all these lists all over the place. But like you said, exactly right. They're mid-major guys. So um, all those, all those names were people, I guarantee those names came across. I know they came across Florida's list uh, of, of, of people to consider for all, you know, for all I know, they may have talked to some of them. This is the Todd Golden was the guy they landed on. Todd Golden has a little bit of a different story. St. Mary's player, a self-made guy, a walk-on won a state championship as a high school player at Arizona. A uh, Jewish guy who decided to go to a Catholic university sounds like a little fish out of water, but played himself into a starting point guard. He got shot 58% from three point line in West Coast Conference play uh, during one of his years. His point guard there was Patty Mills, who any NBA hmm. fan knows. Um, so uh, he's been around. I mean, he he played professionally in Israel. That's where he played for Bruce Pearl. They won a gold medal in the Maca- I think it's Maccabi Games uh, yeah. over there. Uh, so they struck up a relationship. He started a career in the in in sales in the business sector. Didn't like it. Said it was making pretty good money, but he just missed coaching and uh, got a break. Knew somebody at Columbia. Uh, started there as a uh, as a grad assistant. Then 
uh, got an assistant job, then went as a director of basketball operations at Auburn uh, for one year with Bruce Pearl, then was elevated to assistant coach. So he got on the road recruiting, learned a little bit about the South then. Again, a West Coast guy in the South a little bit. But I will say this, he recruited Jared Harper and he recruited Bryce Brown. They were three-star players that not a lot of people recruited. Um, and they were starters on, on Bruce Pearl's Final Four team five years later. I think they red, I think both of them redshirted and were great players their senior year. So Bruce Pearl, you can Google it. You can find it on Twitter. He gushed about this guy's eye for talent. So there's stuff to be excited about. Is he unproven? Yes. Does, this, uh, does one NCAA tournament uh, in three years in San Francisco excite people? Probably not. I don't know. But they hadn't been the tournament since 1999. Um, it's in the West Coast Conference, which is a one and two bid league. They got a third bid. That's unusual out there. Give this guy credit. He earned this opportunity. And to be honest with you, I'll tell you right now, LSU wanted him. Missouri wanted him. He wanted Florida. So uh, uh, this is where he wanted to be. And uh, the Todd Golden era has begun. Another thing he said that I, I found compelling, he was asked about the expectations. Are the expectations too high? The last guy left because the expectations were too high. And I loved his answer. His answer was, you know what? If I had talked to Scott Strickland and they didn't say they expected to win championships, right. that would have been a red flag to me. So in my mind, I want a guy, no matter where, I want a guy who says, yeah, I know the expectation is to win championships. And if not doing that, I shouldn't be here. So I, I think that part of it while he's unproven, all the things you just mentioned, that there's a personality trait, especially in today's day and age, with how much competition there is for every little piece of real estate. You need a guy who has that attitude. Yeah, and the expectations, Adam, are, aren't just for Florida basketball here. As Scott Strickland said in a story I wrote uh, last week, the expectations here for every sport. And and he yes, yes, he, he did welcome that. And you have to... You have to have a, a comfort level with those expectations because, let's face it, at times they're unrealistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, is Florida basketball going to win back-to-back national championships ever again? You know, probably not. Uh, is Florida basketball ever going to be what it was with Billy Donovan? You know, I, that's that's tough, man. I mean, you talk about a good basketball program that became a blue blood for that amount of time that 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 Billy took it took it there for all those championships. And uh, uh, well, here's another thing. Is any team going to win back-to-back championships again? Because I want to say it's, what is it? The last five or six national champions have not made it out of the first weekend of the following year. So it's not even, it's not even a yeah. Florida thing. It's like a, the whole sport has changed so much. One, yeah, 100%. And now, and you have to have somebody, you know, the, the transfer portal has changed everything. Um, so you look at this team and, you know, they only have a few players coming back next year. You're talking about eight seniors. Now, some of those seniors have, uh, a COVID year if they want to exercise it. Of course, they could exercise it elsewhere if they'd like. They don't have to come back. Some of them, I know for a fact, have uh, have, pro- have professional aspirations. So that, you know, what happens with them remains to be seen. But you, you're talking about building around Kowasi Reeves, who really showed some promise late in the season. Niles Lane, who, who uh, I give him total credit for how he kind of remade himself and kind of figured things out late in sophomore year. Sometimes it works that way. Guys aren't Guys aren't great as freshmen and can and can come around a little bit. And Jason Jatoba, who we don't know his situation right now because he had that season-ending eye injury from uh, when he took that uh, that that shot to the to the head back in uh, in the Tennessee game in February. After that, it's 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 kind of you got Toon, Gatkek, and you got Eli Kennedy. You got nobody else. Um, so that is a major rebuild job, but you can change really quickly with the transfer portal. And I'll say this about this guy: he was a huge international pipeline guy. And that's a thing out West. And there's no reason at all that it can't be a thing in the Southeast either. Just look at uh, Tennessee with uh, uh, Vescovi uh, Santiago down at, at, at Tennessee and how good a player he was from Uruguay. Came out of nowhere, just came into the middle of the season a couple years ago to Tennessee. So uh, there, are all way, there are ways to rebuild on the fly. And uh, Todd Gold will look into all those avenues. Yeah, Florida State does that in seemingly every sport. A lot of international players, so it's it's not like that doesn't exist even into the state of Florida. So definitely something to to keep an eye on. 
I want to switch gears now and talk some football. Uh, just a week ago was the opening of spring camp. We talked about a lot of storylines. Uh, and then a lot of that changed pretty drastically after we talked about it. Uh, highlighted by some very surprising news from Emory Jones. And I guess, Scott, that's probably a, a good place to start in terms of what's happened in the last week. Well, some of those storylines changed pretty quickly, Adam, that we discussed initially. Obviously, the biggest one being Emory Jones, who I think some people were kind of surprised at Emory's tone after the first uh, spring practice. And he, you know, he made it sound like he was for in for it long haul after with the new coaches. But, you know, after the first couple of practices uh, over the weekend, you saw Emory release the statement saying he is – officially in the transfer portal and he's going to look to play elsewhere. I, you know, you can unpack this a lot of ways. I think probably uh, the biggest thing is Anthony Richardson is healthy. And, you know, just from what I saw out there at the first practice, I mean, those guys were getting, you know, split reps and Anthony was looking better. So, I mean, Emory, he, it was almost going to be the same. It felt like if he came back and then you have Jack Miller in the mix too, and some of the younger guys. So Emory at this stage, I think he made a wise decision. Really. Uh, he's going to have his degree from the university of Florida uh, at the end of the month. And then he's going to get a chance somewhere, you know, maybe Arizona States are interested or maybe he'll drop down a level and really shine with his athleticism, reboot his career, so to speak. But He'll play somewhere. We know that. And right now what we know of Florida is Anthony Richardson, after four practices, has looked really uh, ahead of the curve from last year. It looks like he's uh, just his arm looks better and he's healthy. And, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting just to watch him and how Jack Miller develops. I know uh, Coach Billy Napier talked about Jack Miller, the transfer from Ohio State. They are glad that they got him into the program. They think he's made them better. So that was the biggest storyline that shifted. Number two was the spring game. Uh, you saw, you know, it was originally scheduled for April 16th. Now it's going to be on a Thursday night, April 14th. Uh, and that was something that uh, they looked at the just what was shaping up for that weekend. They could get on Thursday night under the lights, have the, the recruiting spotlight to themselves. And, and Billy Napier says, hey, let's do that. And, you know, I thought it was a really good decision. I think, you know, it was funny, the fans, you know, and I understand both sides of this. I mean, anytime you make a, a schedule change for something that, you know, traditionally draws anywhere from 30 to 50, 60,000 people uh, within a month, it's going to cause a bit of a reaction. Uh, it was both ways. A lot of people understood it and knows where the Gators are. This, yeah, I put this on Twitter. This isn't the 06 to 09 Gators program that, you know, people remember being dominant. We're far from that right now. And Billy Napier's job is to try to get it back to that kind of a program. But to do that, you've got to uh, be better recruiting. So this was just a way of him taking advantage of an opportunity that was there. You know, that's why I thought it was a good idea. And I, you know, I understand the other side where, hey, you know, maybe you had plans and you're not going to be at the spring game on a Thursday night when you can on Saturday. But I don't, you know, I don't know of any plans for this to be permanent like Thursday nights. It's just circumstances, the, the state of the program. So uh, those are two storylines, I think, that drew most of the headlines. And after that, Adam, it's what you you said. It's a lot of new faces. And a lot of these, these folks are talking to the media for the first time. The fans are seeing them for the first time, whether it's new defensive, uh, defensive coordinator Patrick Tony or – Katie Turner and Bree Wade in recruiting. A lot of new faces, a lot of fresh energy, and uh, looking forward to just, you know, continuing to get out there and, and really getting to know more of these folks and getting to see what their plan looks like in action. Uh, in terms of championships, being at a championship level, uh, gymnastics does not need any help with that. They continue to roll, uh, pardon the pun. Scott, they won the SEC championship meet in addition to the SEC regular season championship. Um, you know, I think people get they get kind of uh, spooked about this at this time of year, but I, I don't know that things could be in much better shape for them as they look toward the big prize that's a few weeks away. Yeah, I mean, this is a, a program, Adam, that's well documented that has been knocking at the door the last couple of seasons. Uh, obviously, COVID two years ago 
spoiled its chance at a national title. Last year, it was an injury late to Trinity Thomas and some others. But this year, I mean, they've been really hitting their performances from start to finish. And when they have had an injury, you know, they've got 17 uh, gymnasts on the roster. It's the biggest roster in program history. So there's depth there to cover some uh, bumps and bruises. And, and then you're getting Trinity Thomas at her best. I mean, she was named SEC Gymnast of the Year this week. Uh, for a good reason, and that's saying something considering the talent level in the SEC with Suni Lee and others, uh, yeah. you know, really challenging uh, Trini Thomas. But it's just a team that at this point, I mean, they're going to be the favorite at the, at the national championship. It's just a matter of can they perform on the biggest stage. There's no nothing we've seen so far this season says they can't uh, going through the SEC unbeaten. They're winning the SEC championship, and now it's that regional and the uh, national stage uh, over the next month. It's kind of weird, that, you know. They're they've got a week off in the regionals, and another week off, and then the nationals. So there's a lot of time there for things to go wrong too. But mm -hmm. I just see this team really being a uh, it's prime to win it if things go right and. And now we just get to see how it works out. That's the thing about the schedule too, is when you get to this point and you're peaking, you just want to like, let's do this meet now. But no, you, it's very drawn out. You've got these breaks. It's almost like bowl season. Like after you win the mm -hmm. SEC championship, you're like, let's go play in the national title game. But like, yes, you, you will, but just wait a month to do it. So you're right. There's, there's a lot of time. Uh, management becomes important. Injury management, rest. A lot of stuff goes on that, that no one else gets to see internally that's going to be key to making sure they can perform at this level when they do get to that final stage in, in roughly a month. Yeah, I mean, you know, just like last year when Trinity Thomas got hurt, I mean, it was during a, a warm-up, uh, I think, at Alabama, just a fluke thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, what these, what these athletes do, I mean, there's nothing easy about any of it. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> you're laying wrong and uh, you could uh, be going to the hospital for a while, but uh, they're an amazing group of performers. And I mean, Jenny Rowland, you know, she's in her hard to believe, I think seventh year now. Wow. And, uh, you know, she has not won a national title at Florida and she's had some really good teams. And uh, like, as I talked earlier, knocking at the door, but it'd be really cool if, if they could finally win one uh, with her at the helm and, and I mean, this is a loaded roster. And uh, again, uh, Jenny Rollins worked hard with her and her staff to put together the strongest team uh, that they've had in their time here. Now we'll get to see how strong. Uh, I want to turn our attention now to the PAT. And I'm not sure if you guys were aware, but this week is the Oscars. You know I like to turn our PAT to movies whenever I possibly can. Uh, but when I think about the Oscars, you think about some of the legendary movies that have won Best Picture and been awarded. Uh, and then a lot more of the recent ones that aren't legendary, but they have to give the statue to someone. So a lot of less than memorable movies get that immortality. But what I wanted to do is try and find out from you guys, what are some of your favorite underrated movies, a movie you think has not gotten its due over the course of time uh, that is good to remember during this time when we recognize greatness in film. I'm a sentimentalist because obviously I am because I own a cat. So yeah, <laughs> we've, always, we've always considered right, right. you a sentimentalist. Right, right. You've always, Scott, you've always been one of those Scott guys. doesn't like animals, by the way, <laughs> so just so you know. He doesn't like animals. But, but as a sentimentalist who actually likes animals... There's this movie called Project X. Are you familiar with it, Adam? I am, and I can't wait to see how this comes around. Okay, how familiar are you with it? Are we talking about the same movie? There was a Project X like five years ago. No, 1987. Yeah, no, we're talking about two different movies. It's with Matthew Broderick, and it's with Helen Hunt. And they were both before. Now, it was after Ferris Bueller, so he had already become a star, but it was, she was kind of on the cusp. Uh, way before Mad About You or whatever, but she teaches uh, a sign language to kids. But she has this project that she teaches sign. She teaches a, a sign language to a chimpanzee, hmm. and he's good at it. But the chimpanzee, her funding for her grant uh, gets taken away, and this they take the monkey away, and it ends up getting sent down to Florida to an army base where they're learning how to teach chimps. Okay, how to fly airplanes after nuclear 
uh, uh, attacks. Okay? Are you making this up as you go along, or is this a it real sound, movie? It sounds incredibly far-fetched, okay? <laughs> okay, this is a really, really good movie. It's just so happens Matthew Broderick is is on base. He's like this kind of like a, a flippant, not a very good uh, uh, private or whatever the hell he is. And he's in charge of taking care of these of these chimps in this thing. And he finds this one is really is too smart to be involved in this thing. And this woman is looking for this chimp. OK, I'm telling you, you watch this movie. I, I just looked on IMBD. It's a six point five or something like this. It's a really, really good movie. And, and it doesn't come on a whole lot. But when it does, I watch it because it's a it, it's two really good actors and act, and uh, two, two really good actors. If you watch it, I'll bet you'll give it at least seven stars out of. That's what I'm saying right now. Project X. I got to add it to the list. Scott, Chris has set a very high bar, a movie he claims is at least a seven that I've never heard of. And it's the most far-fetched plot I think I've I've ever uh, come across. So how will you top that for us, Scott? I'm not for sure I can because <laughs> he's a more of a movie buff than me, probably. Chris has an Oscar in his family. I mean, Chris is That's working right. for right. these... He's got, his, right. his brother won an his brother won an Oscar was presented to him by Steven Spielberg. At twenty two years old. Oh, wow, my brother once won a a, a bass pro shop fishing contest. <laughs> so almost the same thing. <laughs> I'm I'm a guy who I like to watch the the Oscar contenders and the winners, and sometimes I get to them before the the Oscars. Sometimes I don't. Like there's a movie. To be honest with you, both of you guys may have heard of it. I'd never heard of it until a couple weeks ago. It's on Netflix called The Hand of God. So it's kind of a coming of age story set in Naples, Italy in the 80s when in Diego Maradona came over surprisingly to play for the professional team. And it's not what you think the movie is at all. He's it's just a small part of of that, but it, it's just it was just a it's in and it's an Italian. I mean they have English obviously um the subtitles, yeah. Yeah, subtitles. But I mean, I followed the movie. I couldn't turn it off. And I noticed that it, it is up for one of the Netflix categories for an Oscar. I don't know if it has a chance to win, but it's a movie that if you guys haven't seen it, maybe you'll like it. Maybe you don't. I've kind of got an odd taste to movies, I'll admit. Uh, but it was a little different. But you know, that's just uh, that's just me talking about one of the this year movies that I think probably underrated since I hadn't heard much of it. And it's being nominated for an Oscar. Uh, but, you know, a movie I, I still stands out to me that you guys might laugh at. But do you remember Demolition Man with Sylvester Stallone and, and Wesley Snipes? Vaguely. That's not Sandra Bullock, too, is it? Uh, Dennis Leary was in it for a brief time. but Sandra Bullock is in Demo. So Demolition Man yeah. is... Yeah. It's got, I'm looking yeah. at it. So we got... Uh, We've got Sylvester yeah. Stallone, Wesley Snipes, Sandra Bullock, Benjamin yeah. Bratt, okay. Dennis Leary. Benjamin Bratt. All right. Wow. I like wow. that. Yep. I forgot about him. Jesse the Body Ventura is in it. <laughs> Rob Schneider is in this. Jack I, Black I is in this film. Oh, my gosh. I can't imagine why it's underrated of Jesse the Body Ventura and Jesse Rob Schneider. Jesse the Body Ventura. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's just at least, at it's least just, I put some some like Oscar nominated like like uh, actors in my like underrated one or whatever. Jeez, okay. well, you know, it's it's basically a fantasized hellscape. <laughs> As opposed to a fantasized what? A fantasized hellscape. As opposed um, to hellscape, it says it <laughs> says it was inspired by Brave New World, so that would make sense. How many tomatoes? Check the thermometer. Let me check it for you right now. We are 62%. What about the critics, though? The um, critics probably loved it, right? What is the uh, the Metacritic is 34 out of 100, which is terrible. <laughs> which is means it's objective. Which means it is an objectively horrible movie. <laughs> I told you guys that you know I have different tastes, man. I, I mean, I guess it is Ooh. underrated according to everybody, uh, Scott, and nobody else. <laughs> and of course, you gotta remember, uh, music critics and movie critics—they all write just for themselves, for each other. So we'll we'll put a halt to this now. 
to give everyone time please, to go watch movies before, yes. before the Oscars. Um, but we will let everyone know that these guys are going to continue churning out content, especially as it relates to Gator football. Who knows what the next week will bring in crazy stories, given what week one gave us. Uh, so check out Scott, especially at Gators Scott for all the football content and FloridaGators.com. I'm sure Chris will have a few more pieces coming out as well about the new era of Florida basketball. Follow that as well. Uh, guys, thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Adam. Part of the appeal of the Florida basketball job is its relatively recent track record of success, of course highlighted by the 04s and the back-to-back national titles. But lest we forget the core that went to three Elite Eights and returned to the Final Four. Patrick Young, Scotty Wilbekin, Casey Prather, and Will You Get. In case you missed it, we caught up with Patrick on a recent Gator Greats episode a few weeks ago, and now we'll get to hear from You Get, the ultimate glue guy who did the dirty work and loved every minute of it. Well, my family, my parents, uh, they are from uh, Central African Republic, which is located in the middle of Africa, right uh, above Congo. So that's where my parents are from. I was born in uh, Bordeaux, in the southwest uh, part of France, uh, but I was raised in the, in Africa coast, in, uh, in the west coast of Africa uh, for 10 years. And that's when I kind of started playing basketball, watching uh, my dad play, also my older brother. Uh, then when I was 10, going to 11, going to middle school, uh, we all moved to France, uh, a little outside of Paris. So after that, we moved there. Uh, my whole family moved there. So we kind of started a new life there. I was, I, play, I was playing for this team where I was from, where I was living at for about three years. And after that, I went to another team a little further away, kind of like a boarding school when I was 13 to, to play at a better level and to try to become a better player. So I was there for three years. And uh, my last two, my second year, after my, last second, my, after my second year there, I, um, during the summer, I did some, some camps in, uh, in the U.S., five-star camp. In, uh, in DC and I had like a few schools that were interested in me uh, for me to go over there and, uh, and you know go to school there I played a little bit AAU uh, that summer that I ended up coming back to France because the the primary uh, goal of this trip wasn't for me to stay there but I could have had, had a chance to stay there but my mother decided not to uh, have me stay in there because she said I was really really young and I wasn't the purpose of that trip so I went back to, to my team uh Played there for 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 a year. Then I went uh, during um during a break. We have a break in February. I went to the United States to visit two schools. One school in uh in DC and one in Florida. Uh, military school in Florida was uh Florida Air Academy. It's now a school Florida Prep. It's a school that uh is located in Melbourne, Florida. So fast forward, I ended up going to that school. You know, I just decided that I want to leave France and trying to go to the States when I was 16. So I landed at Florida Prep, at Florida Air Academy, which is Florida Prep, Prep now. I think, um, you know, you guys will know that uh, who went there. Walter Hodge went there. Hmm. Uh, so I was actually, it was funny, I was actually with my coach, we would go to Florida, uh, to Gainesville to watch um, Florida basketball team practice. And of course, Walter Hodge used to be obviously on the team, and he was so he went, used to go to my high school as well. Mm. The high school I went to, Walter Hodge went there. One of the big names that came out of there, Sasha Khan, that went to Kansas. Ionis mm-hmm. Papapetro, that went to Texas. I don't know if you know him. He was being recruited by uh, by Florida for a little bit, but only did one year in, uh, in Texas. So yeah, I went there for two years. Uh, loved it, loved it there. And after after I came out, you know, Florida. Uh, started recruiting me with other schools, but I decided to go to Florida because I wanted to to stay in the states, stay close to stay close to my to my to my high school coach as well because we had a real strong relationship. And Coach G convinced me to to commit to, to Florida and go to Florida. And then uh, then the rest is uh is kind of history. Four <laughs> years of Florida, great times. Obviously, freshman year solid. No things kind of getting better over the years of Florida. I learned a lot to my years of Florida. And uh, yeah, that's I think that's pretty much it. That's how we, you know. Kind of summarize my uh, my trip, my mm-hmm. my basketball trip so far, my life trip so far. Going back to to early on, what sort of dictated all those moves for your family in terms of where you were born, and then you jump around a little bit, going from I guess continent to continent. Why why did you guys make those moves at the time? 
the first move we made because my both my parents are from a Central African Republic. Uh, my dad had a job. I got a job in Ivory Coast as a financer. So he was he was he was just um, handling finance for this uh, airplane company. So he ended up moving there. The whole family moved. Since he had a job there, we all moved there. So we ended up living there for a while. And uh, his job was doing well and started our, started our life there. And after that, uh, after my first 10 years, what happened was the company was falling apart. And the company doesn't exist anymore. The company doesn't exist anymore because, uh, you know, they had some issues and the company was falling apart. So my dad decided that we should move somewhere to start over. Uh, so we ended up moving to France because we had a lot of family members in France. And we used to go to France a lot during the summer for summer vacation. So we ended up going there because my dad felt like, you know, it wasn't going to be a good situation for us in Africa. Coast. And we ended up leaving during, uh, I think, summer 2002. And what was crazy was that the fall, the fall came and uh, the war started. So we kind of left before the war started. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how, somehow, God managed to kind of push us out before everything started going south. But I think after, from 2002 to maybe 2009, 2010, because was a, a terrible place to be, a lot of war, chaos, and a lot of a uh, lot of a lot of a uh, lot of uh, death. So we I ended up living before that. I think we we're just lucky, but that's a call from my dad, pretty much uh, my parents. Mm-hmm. After that, uh, so when I was when I just I decided to go to the states because um, I was uh, I always wanted to to see, you know, what I could do and how how my my, my game could could uh, translate in the United States. And I always you know you when you watch growing up, you watch the States, you watch, you know, high school, you watch college, you watch the NBA, all that stuff, you know, the bas- basketball is in, is in the US. And I love, I love languages. You know, I love the different cultures. I was able to, to live in two different cultures, two different continents. And I was, I told myself, you know, if, uh, if I have a chance to, why not? If they still have the level to do it, then why not just try? And I was 16, I said, I want to just try and see, see what I'm about, see if I like it. I'll just go there for a year. Uh, I ended up getting my visa for five years. So I was like, I'm going to try for a year, see how it goes. And if I like it, then I'll just stay. If I don't, I'll come back to France. It's just be an experience and, and I end up staying there for six years. In terms of your, your love of, of cultures, of languages, uh, I'm scared to ask because I think it'll make me feel badly about myself. But how many languages do you speak? I only speak two. Okay. French and English. <laughs> Uh, I know a little bit of Spanish, and I understand uh, my parents' languages from from their country, from from their culture. But I, I only speak two. I wish I could have spoken like I want to speak Spanish as well. But I was learning that when I was in France. But when I got to the states, I had to learn English so bad. So it kind of like told me, yeah, you can't really take Spanish also. So you have to make sure you are, you know, completely fluent in English. So I kind of just let Spanish go. But hopefully, I can like, get that under my belt some other time in my life. How difficult was that? Because it's it's interesting you talk to people about, oh, well, when you go from high school to college, what's that jump like? Or or something that seems pretty insignificant when you compare it to showing up in a new country and not knowing the language. How much of a challenge was that for you? Uh, It was a really big challenge. I think I was lucky because I was able to go to a place that was really, really good for me that fit pretty well. The thing about the school I ended up going to, uh, the coach was actually from where my dad was from, the same country. But he ended up going. He ended up. He ended up going because he went to a small school after uh, close to the to the high school, and ended up coaching there. So he knew French. He knew where I was about. He knew my father. He knew all that. So it was kind of like it was helpful for me. But he wasn't taking it easy on me because he was telling me I'm not speaking French to you. That's one thing I'm not going to speak French to you. But <laughs> I would say it was it was tough because um, first of all, I was away from family. Uh, I was I didn't get to go back home for Christmas breaks, so and I only was going home for some breaks. Uh, so so it was hard being away from my family. But the good thing is was it was a boarding school and it was an international school. So a lot of kids from different countries were there. We have a lot of kids from Asia, from uh, Latin America, from Europe. We have from Russia, from Canada, from everybody was going there to cause surprise because a lot from different countries because it was the school was known to. Uh, for, for RTC, so people will go there to learn how to become, you know, pilots, learn how to, you know, become RTC, the army, and all that. So the, the school was specified on that. So a lot of kids from different countries in the world were going there. So I wasn't the only one that wasn't, you know, from the US. Mm-hmm. Whether it was in my team, whether it was in uh, in a classroom, or even, uh, you know, in the school. So that made me feel a little, you know, 
better because I, I didn't feel alone because I felt like some kids were also away from their family so we could relate to that and then I, you know, I was able to meet some great people and once I pick up the language I feel like I was home you know I liked it I liked the grind it was hard at the beginning because I feel like there was a lot of stuff that were expected out of me but physically and mentally I wasn't used to that uh, you know the practices uh, the uh, the time the, the the physicality of the game also you know demands every day I was just like I mean I don't I'm not used to that, so right. <laughs> it was it was a, it was a really big challenge, but I think it was just you know what was best for me, and I feel like if I if I would never made that move to the states, or at least try, I would never be here today. Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier wanting to get into basketball um, largely because of your dad. What was his background playing the game, and and how did that motivate you? Uh, my dad played for um, Central African Republic national team. Hmm. Uh, but growing up, I was watching. He was playing because the company he was working for had a basketball team, like had like a basketball league. So he was playing uh, for them. Uh, you know, he always played played basketball his whole life. He played, you know, a national team when he was growing up. Uh, he's well known also. You know, this kind of guy is a really, really tough guy, physical. Uh, you know, was always playing extremely hard, and he was just a tough guy. And uh, I just watched him play growing up. I also played a little bit of soccer, but the fact that my dad played basketball, my older brother played basketball. When I came to France, that's really when I kind of like say, yeah, I kind of want to do that. And I want to try to see if I can, you know, uh, be good at, at basketball. But my dad was uh, was the first person I put, you know, basketball in my hand. And I watched, I used to watch him every Sunday play, uh, play outside. And it was just, it was just fun to watch because it was really, really tough. It was really, really tough. It was a, it was a guy that wasn't backing down for, for many, but he wasn't the tallest, wasn't the stronger, but he was a really tough guy to, to play against. And I really, you know, I really watched him doing that every, every week. And for me, it was like, it was really a blessing. That's kind of like why I'm playing the way I play also. Yeah, and I was going to ask you about that because the way that you play is different, right? I mean, there's there's not a lot of guys that seemingly embrace doing the little things and the dirty work, but that's sort of what you made your name on. Was it ever was it hard to accept that role, or, or did you identify this is how I can make a difference? So I'm just going to go all in on it. It was hard, I think, because you know when you come when you go to high school, usually people that come out of high school go to college, they are probably or most likely. Your stars, the stars of the team, you know, probably best scores, best rebounder, and all that stuff. Right. Once you get to college, it's like you have to adjust. It's a new world, it's a new place, uh, new new teammates. How can I have an effort? How can I be uh, on the on the floor? How can I help my team? You know, I came in, came in as a as a freshman. Uh, we had guys like Alex Styles, Vernon Macklin, Chandler Parsons that were leading the way. We had Eric Murphy, Patrick Young, you know, guys that had like bigger names. I wasn't like the you know the most recruited out of of my class, I was kind of like the guy that came out of, out of, out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to make a mark for myself. How can I help my team? How can I be able to help Coach D and have me put me in the game? Um, so that's kind of like how I started. But I've always been, you know, really good defensive guy. I always like to play defense, like stealing the ball, you know, defensive. Uh, we, I did I develop a, a niche for, you know, being a great rebounder. I felt like that's something that I could, you know, really control and that could add it to my game. And, and, and and that's what I did. And after that, you know, I felt like that was um, the things I was doing was going into winning. And I felt like those things that I could impact, I wasn't going to be, you know, the guy that was going to score like 30 points in the game. I wasn't the best shooter or the best, to, you know, um, score on the team. But I knew I could impact the game defensively, you know, my energy with, you know, uh, my deflections. And, you know, I was a pretty good passer. So I felt like I could always, you know, be there for my teammate. And that was a way of me, you know, to help the team. and make coach play me because I felt like if I was on the court, I felt like the team was different when I was on court, I was affecting the game, even if I wasn't, you know, scoring or having the ball in my hand all the time. Mm-hmm. What are some memories you have just from, from your career overall at Florida? What are some off the court memories? Maybe, I don't know, a funny prank you guys pulled or something that happened in the locker room. What, what's some kind of behind the scenes stuff you could share about that time? Funny. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Uh, funny stuff that happened. Oh, um, it's one funny stuff that happened. Uh, my freshman year, and my freshman year after you know after the season was done and everything like that, uh, we um, it was Scotty's birthday. Scotty's birthday. Actually, even fast before that, I'm gonna start before that. Okay. First time, first time we all, all four of us met, we ended up going out downtown to uh, one of the clubs downtown. Mm-hmm. As Pat, what well, Pat just came late, came late because he was with the USA uh, 
national team playing with them. So it was just it was just me, Casey, and uh, and Scotty at first, and then Pat came after after us. So we end up all meet, we all meet each other for the first time, and we go out and have a good time. And after we went out, you know, we were walking around trying to um, heading back home, and you know, Pat was just like, "Oh guys, you know, we're gonna be great, man. You know, we're gonna we're going to some great things, man. I'm so happy to hear to be with you guys." He was excited about you know the season. We just like, well, we I mean. We we not even the season. We was really hyped about you know what's coming up. Yeah, guys, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be our forest. He was really really excited about the season. And I remember him like I remember us looking at him like, well, like what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> yeah, like three or three or four months. He was like, I'm so excited about the season. I can't wait and everything like that. It's gonna be amazing. Blah blah. We're gonna be you know your best friends. He was extremely excited about the season already. <laughs> I remember that because we talk about it sometimes. I'm just like, I remember like, how excited he was. We said, man, what, what's, what kind of, what's going on with this guy? He's right. like six, eight, two, forty-five, <laughs> great guy. All excited about you know playing basketball, just bumping into us and all that stuff. We we're just like, oh, this guy is kind of like weird. This guy's got he's got toned down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it was funny. It was really funny. Um, and then I think one of the story that was. Now the look back, it was now the look back is, is funny, but it wasn't funny at the moment. Uh, it's uh, end, of my, end of my freshman year. Uh, Scotty was Scotty's birthday. Scotty's birthday is in April, so you know we ended we ended up falling short. We then make it to the eighty eight with you know Chandler, Fern, At, all those guys, Irv, and and uh, and KB. So the season was over. We go out celebrate Scotty's birthday. We come back after that Scotty's birthday. You know we go out, we come back home. And we ended up uh, driving to uh, one of our one of our friends' place after after the club. And then the person that was driving, she gets pulled over. Mm. She gets pulled over. She gets uh, she gets pulled over, and obviously the cops, you know, test her and all that stuff. And she ended up getting a DUI. But long story short, it's by me, myself, not myself, Scotty, end up going back to our to our room. Mm-hmm. The next day, first text we get from Coach D. After class, come in my office ASAP. <laughs> <laughs> I have my high school coach calling me, yo, wait, what's going on, blah, blah, all that stuff. I was like, oh my gosh. So I was like, okay, man, you definitely going to be in trouble now. Because <laughs> that's first, definitely going to be in trouble. Because at first I wasn't supposed to go, but then I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go because Scotty's going to spread it anyways. So Coach G ended up going to Coach G's office. Oh my gosh. Coach <laughs> G rips us apart. You guys think you guys are all that because you went to the Elite Eight. Uh, you think you know? You think you now, nah, blah blah. That's so why you think you find <laughs> stuff now. Nah, go now, nah, do all the stuff, and then think you cool now. Nah. You guys like, yeah, you guys haven't done nothing. You guys have done this. <laughs> Scotty, you ain't done nothing. We, you barely played. Blah, blah. You guys, I don't want to see you guys again. You guys don't come to the office. Don't come to the, the practice facility for. I don't want to see you guys. If you guys want to do, if you guys want to transfer, just transfer. Do whatever it's for. I don't care. So I was walking back to our to our to our dorm with uh, with Scotty because he was my roommate. Uh, we were just talking about it. Was like, it was, Scotty was just like, man, I don't even know if I'm going to stay anymore. I want to transfer, man. This is, I don't want to stay here, blah, blah. He doesn't want us to stay. Man, we should probably just find out the school, blah, blah, all that stuff. So we're just talking about like, how bad we were because Koji, you just told us, yeah, just do whatever you want. You just like, don't come around here anymore. I don't right. want you to be in the, in the in the facility. Just go go away. I don't want you to see you guys. And we just think like, what if we just transfer somewhere else? What if we just tell them, you know what, you know what, you bet. We're just gonna go somewhere else then. We're just gonna transfer, like you know, try and give like ultimatum. <laughs> we're like, we're talking about. It. We're just like, man, we're not gonna do anything. We're just gonna end up just waiting and just right. just kind of just work themselves out. But like, that's one of the things that I remember because it was just funny. Look, then it was not funny for sure. Right, right. But looking back now, you know, one of the many stories that we have between our four of us, honestly. That's funny. So okay, so post college. Um, you end up going back overseas and back to France playing professionally. Um, what, what is that experience like relative? I know you haven't played in the NBA, but what is the French league like? Well, the French league is, uh, is known to be a league that is pretty physical and athletic. I would say the top five, top four leagues in, uh, in Europe is different than the NBA for sure. But I think it's a good league. I think it's a league that is competitive. Uh, I think we are known to uh, to be a league that also challenges other leagues as far as like the best team. Uh, I wouldn't call it the best league in Europe. I think the best league in Europe is like Spain, you know, Spain, Turkey, mm-hmm. uh, maybe France is in there as well. The Spain is probably like one of the best league in Europe, but France is up there. You know, I think it's pretty challenging. It's different than than the, than the NBA. Obviously, it's a longer longer season. 
it started preseason like beginning of August, first of August, and we start like doing conditioning and all that stuff, and we only start playing um, like end of September until can go all the way to mid June. If you go all the way to the finals, uh, I went to the finals. Uh, I won it uh, in 2018, and I was I was there until June 22nd, something like that, because we play every single game in the playoffs. So it's longer seasons. Uh, it's kind of joining sometimes because you, you know, it's 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 it's, it's, it's long because it's, it's also physically and mentally it's challenging, but it's, it's also a blessing to be able to you know to play and living, of uh, just playing basketball every day and uh, basketball being my job. I think I just you know I I feel really fortunate to be able to do what I do now. Hmm. Uh, off the court, but what do you enjoy doing away from basketball when you do have some free time? Uh, well, I take a lot of naps, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, honestly, I mean, hobbies that I have, I like to write, I like to write a lot. I write and read a lot. Hmm. I'm working right now on um, journalist aspect, you know, how to make an interview, how to interview someone, because that's something that ultimately I would maybe want to do. I was able to uh, comment uh, some uh, NCA games last year during the NCA tournament here in France because they were showing the games in France. Oh, cool! So they invited me to come and comment the game, and I actually I loved it a lot. So, right. So I'm just trying to figure out different things that I could do, to, different things that you know that I'm passionate about that uh, can challenge me uh, mentally. That can so I can keep learning, and you know I know I'm not going to play basketball forever. So hopefully, one of those things that you know that I enjoy could could be uh, you know the open door to for me to be able to to have a job. So um, I'm just trying to, you know, continue learning um, through reading, writing, uh, trying to, you know, meet different people, trying to stay active off the court. Obviously, basketball is my main priority. Basketball is, uh, is, is my job. But um, I'm trying to use my free time to, um, to be able to, to learn some new things, to be able to prepare my after, my after career. Final thing for you. I know you're very busy with what you're doing, but how much are you able to follow the Gators today from afar how much do you keep track of what's going on with the team honestly i try to follow them a lot i try i was following them uh last year i was watching them a lot last year maybe less less this year but you know i follow uh chris uh chris on on twitter so he you know whenever they have games i'm trying to keep up with them mm-hmm. uh and i also try to go there at least you know once once uh once a year when i go there and go to the stage in the summer i try to stop by there for a little bit and see those guys because you know it's uh I was there for four years, so I'm still I'm still a Gator. I still feel like you know uh, I need to follow them, and it's it's really entertaining for me to you know watch them play, knowing that you know I was I was once playing at that level, and also in watching them play in a new nice arena that we didn't get to play in. Right. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's uh, it's it's fun. I try to keep up with them every year, um, keep up with the guys every year, and uh, trying to show them some support from from far. Well, it sounds like you're staying well-connected to the program, even though you are many time zones away, and uh, glad to hear that your career is going well, too. So, Will, thank you so much for your time, and uh, look forward to seeing you back over here soon. Okay, no problem. Thank you. Have a good day. And that's going to do it for this week's show. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to Gator Tales wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a review to help us continue to grow. Be sure to keep track of all of the orange and blue action by visiting FloridaGators.com, then come back here every Thursday during the athletic season for an all-new episode. Until then, I'm Adam Schick. Thank you so much for tuning in to Gator Tales. Gator Tales.